When I was almost 17, my cousins and I tagged along with my grandpa to go to England. He was speaking at a church there. And since he used to live in Europe, he knew all the cool places to go. And we got on the subway in London. Uh, it probably has a different name, but I'm an American. It just looked like a subway, the underground. And I learned a very important phrase as the, as the train pulled up, there's the space in between the curb of the, the platform and the actual subway car. And then I heard a phrase that will change my life forever. Mind the gap. And to an American kid, that sounded well, quite understated. I didn't have that language then, but I was thinking, I could break something or worse if I fell through this gap. Now, mind the gap. I thought it would be more appropriate to say, hey, be careful, you might die. But I guess that's too long to put on a recording. Mind the gap. There it is. Mind the gap. So I want to talk to you about some gaps over the next couple of uh, next two or three weeks, uh, the gap between us and God, the gap between us and others, and the gap in ourselves. And we have lots of language for gaps. Uh, there's these two different realities, and it's, it's filtered into our English language. There's a gap between the way things should be and the way things are, or the way we want things to be and the way things are. And I had a, a gap in my teeth when I was 10 years old that were corrected by braces, and thankfully, I never had to wear that crazy headgear uh, that some of my little sisters had to wear. Like, we take those gaps very seriously. We can take them incredibly seriously. We, in our finances, we talk about the gap between where the way things should be and the way things are by saying, I've just got to make ends meet. And um, there's a gap between us and God. This massive gulp, gulf hanging between humanity and our current reality and our existence and where God is. And um, I believe scripture from beginning to end points towards the one thing that narrows that gap. And that's Jesus. And I'm not, I'm not just saying that because it's church service and I'm supposed to. I'm staking my whole life on this, my family's future, my future, and, and my soul on this. I believe that Jesus is the only thing that fills the gap in our lives. And, and not just when it comes to eternity. It's not just for something that happens when after we die. But the gap, whatever gap you and I are facing right now, that, that Jesus goes into that gap. If we let Jesus, if we surrender it doesn't cost us anything, just our whole lives, just our, all of our wants and desires. When we surrender those, Jesus can come into the whatever gaps we have and bring healing, bring salvation. And today we're talking about this gigantic, traumatic rescue, this rescue plan that was there from the beginning of Jesus rescuing humanity. And I want to talk to you about rescue for just a couple of moments because a rescue definitely narrows the gap between someone's current situation and, and what could happen. Someone's current situation and wherever they need to get to, uh, to safety. And there's kind of like a spectrum of, of rescue where there's a high need for it or just a high desire for it. A, a spectrum of, oh, this is going to take a lot of effort, a lot of impact to rescue this person. Like, for example, a low impact rescue would be me at Trader Joe's with my wife's shopping list. And all the time, uh, I'll, I'll go to where wherever the item is on the list and, um, and uh, one of them, it's not gonna be on the shelf. 
And then I have this sense of dread, like I need rescue, but I don't want to ask for rescue. And I'll wander the aisles for 20 minutes. I'll text my wife, sorry, I think they're out. And what do you think she texts me back? You can put it in the comments. Did you ask for help? I'm like, no, I can find it on my own. So I'm not as bad as I used to be, but that's a, a pretty low impact rescue that I need. But there was one time when we were living in, in Japan, we had to go to, well, we got to go to a, a city close by, about an hour away called Koryama. And uh, it was just basically because we needed tacos and that's where the foreign food store was and we'd buy seasoning for it. Because even though the food's amazing in Japan, sometimes you just need tacos. Well, after we had loaded my backpack with about 65 pounds worth of refried beans and taco seasonings, somehow in this big city, Marie and I got separated. And this is, uh, we didn't have cell phones and we were far away from the train station and I knew like, okay, if I can just get back to the train station, I know the symbols for my town, but I have no clue where the train station was. And uh, my mind started racing and I was thinking, I've got 65 pounds worth of refried beans and seasonings. I can survive for a while until I'm rescued. And uh, luckily she came along and showed me the right way to go. She's my compass. But sometimes the rescues have to be incredibly dramatic and, and take a lot of effort. Uh, about 10 years ago, there were some Chilean miners that were trapped uh, and, and the whole world had to, was watching and they had to bring in experts and they were trapped for days and days. Or sometimes there's a, a natural disaster where someone's trapped three days, four days, up to 17 days. And it takes a lot of effort to come in and to rescue them. And, and we've, we've seen that with humanity. That is the story of scripture. I've already mentioned that, that God had this plan to overcome the things that are between us and God and to use Jesus and the cross of Jesus Christ to rescue us. And the text, we could have picked almost anything in here today, but I want us to, to, to focus on this really dense little paragraph in a letter called Galatians. And these, these folks had been rescued by God. Most of these folks in, in the church of Galatia were, were not from a Jewish background. So before Jesus came and renewed the covenant, the, the agreement uh, between humanity and God through his son, Jesus Christ, these folks would have been excluded. They were Gentiles. They didn't follow the rules. They ate pork. They weren't circumcised. I mean, you could go down the list. And then the apostle Paul comes to this town and establishes the church in Galatia. And they, they are taught that, that salvation comes through faith and believing in Jesus Christ and, uh, and, and placing all of our lives uh, at, at his disposal and, and receiving the joy and the freedom. And, and they were doing great things. And then some other teachers came along and they came through town and were like, oh, okay, yes, yeah, that's great that you're following Jesus, but oh, wait a minute, you're not following all the old rules in, in the first covenant, the pre-Jesus stuff. like. What? You guys are eating that? You, you're not circumcised? You're not, you're not keeping the Sabbath like we used to? And they started imposing all of these new religious obligations and duties on these new believers. And then the Apostle Paul gets wind of it and it's like has to write them a letter. And in here, in chapter, uh, chapter three of this letter, there's this amazing paragraph. And he's, he's often calling them foolish because they've exchanged this rescue for putting further uh, more space between them and God. And Paul writes to them saying, 
For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So Paul's using the story, this rescue story, that starts out way in the beginning in Genesis. Uh, Genesis 12, God God finds this person saying, Abram at the time, I'm going to make a new family out of you and I'm going to bless your family and through your family, all of the nations, all of the ethnicities, all of the, the groupings of people, they're going to be blessed through you. And a lot of the folks would have known this background, this original background, and they would have like said like, okay, so like, we're not Jewish, but now because of what Jesus has done, now we can be called sons and daughters of Abraham. And Paul uses this, but he uses the story and tells it in a much different way. Like instead of saying like, okay, you are you rescue yourselves by keeping all of these rules and, and going through these ceremonies and some of them quite painful, if you get my drift, it's like, it's not about that. Jesus was pointing to something new. And Jesus and faith in him is the way that God has narrowed the gap for us. He does. He tells the story differently. So um, when, when, they, when they went back to this old way of doing things, and, and Paul is quoting the Old Testament here in verse 10, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Like he's quoting uh, Deuteronomy there, where there's this big list that for those of us in 2021, when we read about all of these blessings and curses, we can think and, and, and assume that, wow, God just seems really mean. He's setting the bar really, really high here. And, um, and we're, we're missing some of the original intent in God's heart. Uh, he was, he was laying down in, in what in ancient terms was called a covenant. And a covenant is like a contract, but it's about establishing how the relationship is going to work. Like, imagine if a couple is on the on the they're speeding down the freeway towards towards engagement. They're they're boyfriend and girlfriend, but they're not quite engaged yet, and they're having this conversation. And the 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 guy says to the girl, "Tell me, just tell me some things that you value and that that are really important to you." And then the girl's like, "Well, you know what? There's one thing." that um, I just really can't stand cigarette smoke. Um, it hurts my eyes. I, I just can't ever be around it. And um, it's really important to me for my health. I don't like secondhand smoke. I just, I don't want to be around any of that stuff. What if the guy says, oh, well, babe, I get that. Thank you for telling me that. But just so you know, I'm going to smoke all the time. I'm going to smoke in the house. I'm going to smoke in the car. I'm going to smoke in bed. And I'm not going to change. But I'm really glad you told me that. How would that go? What if she continued to say, you know, even though you have a good paying job and I have a good paying job, you know, I think it's really important that we live 
below our means so that we can give to charitable organizations and we can um, and we can uh, give to our local church and and just I believe that it's more blessed to give than to receive and it's just a, a great way for us to live and the guy says oh that's so admirable but just so you know I want at least three or four houses that we don't need and I'm willing to go into crazy amounts of debt to get them and um, I just love bin shopping and buying stuff I don't even need and I have no problem spending more money than how do you think that marriage is gonna it's not gonna go very well and Paul is purposefully using and quoting these Old Testament laws old covenant laws um, to show that um, that they were warnings like saying, hey, you know what? It's probably not a good idea to take that curve in your car going 75 miles an hour. You're probably going to flip your car. And it was, they were statements about this is the best way for you to live. And, um, and this is a way for you to, to not destroy yourselves as a community, as individuals. Here's how we narrow the gap. But through the course of years and years, the, the overemphasis on this, uh, on this covenant and, and just following rules for the sake of following rules and just getting like a little pin or a little notch on a spiritual belt. It, it, people started using these laws to separate themselves from each other, uh, to, to hoard God's blessings and keep others out. And um, the gap widened. Uh, it, it became a, a massive gap in between this nation that God wanted to form through Abraham's descendants and the gap between them and God was just growing wider and wider. And that's why Paul is saying that, that Jesus came and, and came scandalously. Like a cross was, and we, we talk about this a lot around solid ground, like the cross was an absolute disgrace. Um, it, it is not normal dinner table type conversation. But I love this language here. It says Christ redeemed us from all of these curses. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. And there's some amazing language here. And this, this word redeemed um, is, is how God filled the gap. But it's, it's made up of two different Greek words. Uh, one is to bring out, and the other one is, is to bring out of a marketplace. Uh, and specifically, a slave marketplace is the image there. That Jesus not only just didn't just come and, and scoop us out like a like a, a puppy gets pulled up by the scruff of the neck, like Jesus became the creation, uh, became and uh, the curse for us, so we don't have to have the punishment for all of our sins, and and he he bought us out of slavery. That's the image uh, of of that word redeemed. It's to purposefully go in and purchase a slave for the actual purpose of freeing them. And Jesus filled that gap for us. And, and it, it didn't forget uh, the Jewish people either. Like this was the renewal of the covenant. Like all nations are now able to be blessed. And, and Israel receives this new covenant through the cross. Like we have access to, every, to get through everything we need, whatever life can throw at us. Like we, we don't have to do it far away from God. He's close to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the most uh, dramatic rescue. We were, we were all definitely in need of that rescue. And it, 
it was the most costly. It cost God his one and only son. So where are you needing healing today? Where do you need rescue today? Because there's one thing, you know, a lot of us have said a prayer when we were smaller, and, but we, we constantly need rescue. Uh, one of my mentors, uh, as I was talking about this, was saying, yeah, I was saved, but I am being saved and I will be saved. Like I'm constantly reminded of, of the fact that I need saving. You know, the first thought when I woke up this morning was, oh my goodness, my back just cracked. I'm living in a decaying body. I need, uh, there's a gap there. Um, I'm constantly, as I, as I'm, I've got a, I've got three kids at home. I lose my temper all the time, even if it doesn't come out of my mouth, but like inside, I hear like three different YouTube shows going on three different devices. Like I'm imperfect and I constantly need something outside of myself to come and save me. And, and Jesus is that. Um, and he can go into the most broken parts of our life if we surrender to him. Here's a picture of what God, uh, God's salvation looks like. Without God, when we're doing things on our own, it looks like death, rejection, fear, anger, despair, greed, confusion, anxiety, guilt. We need salvation from all of that stuff. That's like our natural way. If we're going on our own, that's the fruit of the life uh, that, that will come out of the direction of us doing things on our own. But with God, when we say yes to God, here's, the, here's what comes from following the ways of Jesus. Life, love, freedom, peace, confidence, hope, generosity, clarity, patience, and forgiveness. It's, it's why this is called good news. I was rescued, I am being rescued, and I will be rescued. I'd mentioned some Chilean miners that were trapped a long time ago, about 10 years ago. And, um, and it was true, like the whole, I remember watching this on the news and it's like, will they get out? Like, I can't even imagine what was going through their heads and their hearts as they're counting the hours, knowing they're running out of supplies, they're running out of air, they're running out of time. Like they knew that, that, that they needed rescue. And there were people who came, experts were flown in and um, they, it was, a, it was a, almost a superhuman feat to rescue these guys. But it's some of those folks who came, who were doing something incredibly noble, they were still doing it like out of obligations. For some of them, it was their job. I don't think they were doing it for just money, but they were being compensated for it. And what a contrast between uh, ways humans save ourselves and the way God saves us. Like, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, is what the scriptures tell us. That, that God gave up the most valuable thing to come and rescue us. Jesus left the comfort and safety of heaven so that he could fill in the gap between us and, and the relationship with God that we were created to have. That's a, a stark, stark difference. Stark difference. I've been searching, you know, I quoted John 3.16, but for those of us that have been around church for a long time, uh, we, we can kind of quote it and sometimes miss like the, the, how profound that statement was. So I was looking through different commentaries and a couple different, um, a couple, a couple different uh, versions. And there's this paraphrase, Eugene 
Peterson's paraphrase in the message. And I want you to listen to this. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed by believing in him. Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. And that jumped off the page at me. That God didn't come, Jesus didn't come to point an accusing finger at the world. You dirty sinner, you naughty. No, he came to rescue us. He came to help put the whole world right again. And I know a lot of us, when we picture God, we picture that accusing finger. And what if today, with God's help, we can get a new perspective and we can hear God saying, I'm not accusing you. You've put your faith in me. Why do you keep talking about all the the ways you mess up? Why do you keep talking about yourself with an accusing finger? Why do you keep talking about um, uh, the way you perform or what you've accomplished or what you can't do with such an accusing finger? God came to rescue you. Let's not continue putting more and more space between us and God by, by digging a hole and, and by believing what we say about ourselves instead of believing what God says about us. Instead of believing the, the, the overall trajectory of God is moving towards us and it's not with an accusing, an accusing finger. And I, whenever I'm talking about this, I kind of hear some of the, the voices um, uh, from, from knowing a lot of you. There's, like, f- there's a lot of different in-betweens here, but I feel like there's four different responses to this kind of message, this good news that, that God wants to rescue you and all you have to do is have faith to receive this gift that God has, has given us already. And the first one is, uh, I would put this as folks that are here that are just curious and you're like, this sounds really good, but I don't know, Mike. Like, there's this guy that came to earth who was God in, with flesh and blood on, and he died to me, died for me, and now I kind of owe him. Some, like, I'm trying to figure all this out. And if that's you, I'm so glad you're here. You're in the right place. And I want to let you know there's space for you here. And, and keep coming, keep seeking. Uh, if, if, if you're looking for the truth and you're really looking for, for what ultimate reality is, I believe that Jesus will reveal himself to you. And there may come a day where you realize like, okay, I do need rescue. And I've been looking in all these different places and doing all these different things, trying to make myself better and, and improve my, my situation. You'll probably come to a day where you realize, oh, it was right under my nose all the time. Uh, and, and then you'll, you'll by faith be able to, to to receive God's rescue. And then there's other ones that are on the completely opposite end of like, yes. And you're saying like, yes, I deeply resonate with this message of rescue, Mike, because here's where my life was. I turned to Jesus and asked for help and got some people around me. And my life is completely different now. And um, if that's you, um, you're in the you're in the right spot. Like, um, uh, like whatever you need to, to, 
to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus is, is found in community and gathering other, other folks around you um, who know God, who can walk through life with you, who can pray with you as you discover and, uh, and let Jesus rescue you more and more, kind of help guide you along the way. And the third ones, I love, uh, this used to be kind of a pejorative term when I was in high school, but I love the term, the Jesus freaks. There's others of you who, when you hear the good news, you're like, yes, and I just can't wait to tell other people about it. And you find yourself, uh, you're, you're just like in this space where it's like a, a, grand, a new grandparent who's walking around, uh, even though we have uh, phones full of pictures, like they have a wallet with actual prints and they're like, look, look, here's my grandkids. Like that's how you are with your relationship with Jesus. And it just is so natural uh, to you. And uh, for those of us that have been following Jesus for a long time, whenever you find a Jesus freak, cozy up to them because we need, we need a lot of help remembering the rescue that happened. I would put myself in the fourth category of, of folks that need to be around the Jesus freaks. And that's, that's the folks that, that need some help remembering. You know, going back to the Chilean miners, like I'm sure uh, after a while, like they accidentally forget, like they don't, they're not thinking of it every single moment of how dramatic their rescue was. But one way to make sure that they always stay thankful that they were rescued, one way to remember just how close they were to destruction is to go out and help other people uh, get rescued. And for us that have been around the church a long time, uh, our challenge today from this passage is to remember what Jesus did for us and to not get so caught up in uh, the forms of, of our preferences and, well, I like this about church or I like that about the service, but, but to, to get around people who are in love with Jesus and, and to remember exactly what God has done for us. And even if we don't have this incredible um, 180 degree turnaround story, uh, I hear that a lot, like, oh, well, I, got, I gave my heart to Jesus and I don't really have a testimony. Because uh, I've never done this, I've never done that. And I would say to you, yes, you do have a testimony. Look what God has saved you from. Like other people need to hear that too. Like um, for those of us who've been around for a while, it's, it's tricky for us to, to remember that our business is to partner with Jesus and to, and to help rescue as many people as possible. And there's a story about the New England Rescue Society. And I've been looking it up and reading it on the internet. This, this town in New England, there were all kinds of ships uh, uh, crashing on the shore and they built this lighthouse and they trained in their rescue techniques and how to save boats and, and how to steer boats even during a storm uh, away from the shore so that they, would be, so that they wouldn't crash. And over the years, uh, they got so good at what they did that um, the, the ships would stay out and their lighthouse was so awesome that their, uh, their rescue society turned into a social club. And, and they would have these fancy dinners and they kind of lost the, the mission that their, their rescue society was founded upon. And there came a storm uh, one night and a ship crashed and they realized like they no longer had the capacity to, to keep ships safe. And for those of us in the church, like, let's never, ever forget that this thing, this solid ground thing is not about us, 
Like God's put us here. God saved us from so much. And now it's our turn uh, to, to go out and, and help however it is we can. And, and it doesn't even have to be as dramatic as, a, as a pulling someone onto a life raft. Like just uh, praying for other people. It could be as simple as inviting someone to church. Maybe that's what they need to spark a spiritual conversation. And we put the links in all the time. Like it's, uh, you're, we're gathering online. I mean, how easy is it to invite someone to, to, to come to church? Like maybe the challenge for us is to put ourselves out there a little bit and, and hit the share button on something that's inspirational or something that solid ground shares or our, our potlucks that we, we have in the middle of the week. And, and maybe that will be like the first little thread that someone gets a hold of and thinks, oh, oh, I need, I need rescue. Um, but let us never forget God's heart in all of this. And um, I, I was remembering this image of what God's heart is and in, in filling the gap for us. And it was one of the first viral videos that ever, that ever, um, came out in uh, like 2007 is when I saw it. But this image has stuck with me of Rick and Dick Hoyt, a father and a son. And the son has cerebral palsy. And um, he, he uh, his parents didn't put him in an institution. They didn't send him away. And this was like, he was born in the 60s. They made the bold and courageous decision to raise their son and and to teach him how to communicate, even like with computers. And uh, I remember his first words were, uh, uh, go Bruins. They, they thought, oh, his first words he's going to type out are, I love you, mom. I love you, dad. The kid loved hockey. <laughs> but as he got older, he saw, um, he saw these um, races and asked his dad, will you, will you push me in a wheelchair? And, and will you help me to compete in, in, in these races? And his dad said, yes. And they've run over a thousand marathon races and they love, their favorite is the Ironman triathlon. And that picture of, of a father going to such great lengths, so much discomfort to, 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 to narrow the gap so his son can repeat, that's the image that I wanna leave you with here today. That, um, that whatever brokenness you have, uh, whatever, um, wherever you need healing, God is ready for you right now. And I want us to have a moment together. Uh, no matter where you're at, if you're watching this in a coffee shop or your living room, I want you to take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes and think about where is it that you need a rescue? Where is the gap between yourself and God? And I wanna pray a prayer of, of healing for you as we surrender this, uh, this gap to God, so re-surrender our hearts to Jesus. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, we come to you with needs, with hurts, with, um, with our need for rescue. And we place ourselves once again in your hands and ask that, that you would in this moment bring healing. We no longer uh, point our hearts towards anxiety, depression, or towards doing it on our own and ask that you would come and fill us with your spirit as we surrender to you once again. In Jesus' mighty and powerful and healing name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, 
Thank you for spending a few minutes with us this week. Uh, we're always praying for you. We love you. No matter what you're going through, please reach out. And uh, if you have a prayer request or a praise report, uh, sgbic.com, please stop by there and drop us a line. And, and if you surrendered your life to Jesus in, in this moment, we want to know about it. Please reach out to us so we can, we can journey with you through your next steps. So until we meet again, May God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and may the Lord give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit.